For thousands of years, human beings have wondered about entering the afterlife. Do we climb a golden staircase or walk towards a light? Is it a vast, expansive paradise or just an endless, meaningless void? Turns out it's none of those things. It's just me, waiting with my clipboard, ready to collect three questions for God. This is God Only Knows, a brand new podcast that kills its guests before they even get to say a word, only to meet them as they step out of the eternal elevator and submit their three questions to God, whoever or whatever he, she or it may be to them. Joining me this time, it's Alex Holmes. Hello, Alex. Hello. Now, before you can ask your questions to God, we have to fill out a bit of a profile. So I need some information from you. Can I have your full name, please? Alexander Benjamin Carter Holmes. So I'm ABC Holmes. Wow. <laughs> you also could be the president of the United States for that kind of name. That's got full on presidential ring to it, yeah. right? Yeah. I you've know. got Alexander, you've got a Carter. Yeah. Oh, you've got it all going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I was, I was lucky. And, and that's why. On all my social media, I'm ABC Holmes. Because ah. at school, uh, when I was in primary school, I got, had the nickname of Alphabet Boy. Did you? Yeah. That's quite that's quite interesting <laughs> for school. Yeah, I know, yeah. 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 My, I'm Matt White, so mine was just Dulux. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, your occupation? Uh, so I am deputy CEO at a charity in memory of Princess Diana. And any notable achievements? Ooh, probably... Um, Meeting Muhammad Ali's family in Kentucky uh, to receive an award. And um, yeah, it was inspiring to, to meet the family. Oh, you're very humble. I'm going to read some notable achievements. Uh, that was the Muhammad Ali Humanitarian Award. And you're the first person ever from the UK to get it. Uh, you're, also, you're also on the Forbes Under 30, 30 Under 30 for social entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were a Queen's Young Leader. And also, I found out you were a goalkeeper, which I thought was a weird brag. But actually, it's not, it's not just you're really good. It's not, I had to put you no, on the wing. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just that you're mm. great at football. You're a Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation goalkeeper. What does that mean? Yeah, so um, I, I, governments around the world have all committed to um, making progress, accelerating progress with the Sustainable Development Goals by 2030. And the idea of goalkeepers are that um, they are people that helps put pressure on those governments. And hopefully I'm going to help um, particularly young people in the UK think about what more we can do to, to make some noise around it. Okay. Uh, now, before we get to your questions, mm. uh, we do have to find out how you got here. So can I ask you to have a look at okay. the spinning wheel of death for me? So, oh, wow. Um, okay, what have we got? We're going to, it's landing, it's landing. Okay, you were trapped in a snooker table on a cruise ship. Okay. Have you been on many cruises? Never in my life. But, you never been on a cruise? Um, I'm approaching the age where probably it's appropriate to start thinking about those things. Jim McDonald so. is calling. Yeah, no, yeah. Channel 5. Good and what about snooker? Are you much of a snooker player? No. Okay, so this is quite an <laughs> yeah, unlikely death, like, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, you might, you know, you were out by the snooker table on the cruise ship, yeah. waiting on a day trip. I imagine that's what you're doing. Sounds I've never like, been on a cruise yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I just, you know, felt, felt like I needed to, to get away and that was yeah. where I went. And you thought, while I'm here on this once-in-a-lifetime mm. holiday, I'm going to take up snooker. Yeah. Okay, Alex, so let's get started. What's your first question? So my first question is, why can people be so cruel? That's a great question. Mm. Um, you talked a little bit about the charity you work for, the Princess Diana Award. Um, tell us a bit about what that is. Yeah, so we are a legacy to Princess Diana based on the belief that young people have the power to change the world. Um, and the way I kind of got in, in contact with uh, the charities is when I was 16, I received a Diana Award. Mm. 
um, for starting a program tackling bullying pretty much after my own experience at school. So you were bullied at school yourself. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so w- when I was um, at primary school, um, it was mostly um, because I was, um, mi- well, I still am mixed race. And um, some of the kids would say some quite nasty things about my dad, who's black and from Jamaica, mm-hmm. and then my mum's side's from Spain. So I was quite different, actually, in a, in a fairly, um, you know, white, not very diverse school. And... Um, you know that was that was difficult to, to mm. deal with, and then when I went to secondary school, it continued, um, and some of it was, um, you know, homophobic abuse. Some of it was racist. Some of it was verbal, um, but it definitely made me feel shy and isolated and, and, and depressed. And um, when you when you work out, actually, you spend eleven thousand hours of your life at school. It it's, uh, it can really knock your your confidence mm. and, and any sort of opportunity for you to fulfill your potential. So, because like you say, for most people, that can make you feel incredibly isolated. It can probably make people withdraw. What did you do? I started a a program that I called Anti-Bullying Ambassadors. So these are other young people who were my age um, and younger who could um, not only learn how to stand up for themselves, but could learn how how to stand up for others. Mm. And I called those Anti-Bullying Ambassadors. And um, it was very much about sending a clear message that actually, you know, as young people, we don't accept this in our school. Um, and I think there's always something really powerful about the power of peer because, mm. you know, when you're young, you're less likely to sort of take some of those messages around safety or bullying from um, another adult, mm. such as a parent or a teacher. Mm. So actually, this is about um, kind of, you know, putting young people at the heart of that. So it was successful when we did a number of things from um, drop-in sessions, support sessions, to patrols around the school site, to assemblies. It was stuff that slowly changed attitudes and changed behaviours, really. Give us some of the numbers. How many kids, how many schools? Give us some of that stuff. (laughs) So there's now 33,000 young people who have been trained as anti-bullying ambassadors Uh across the UK and Ireland uh, in around 3,000 schools. And uh, we've even reached um, all of the schools in my uh, all the high schools in Miami, wow. um, Greece, and um, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's a really powerful model, mm. and I'm really proud of it. Yeah, the the things that you were bullied for, particularly uh, your race and your sexuality, mm. they weren't things that you could change. Mm. How does that impact you when you're that young? Yeah, I think it's incredibly difficult um, to deal with because particularly when you're young and you just want to belong to you know in your school and you want to be accepted by your peers uh and you know with some of those two issues race and sexuality actually they're quite complex issues to understand at that age Mm. so um I think you know did have a really really big impact on me and it wasn't until I got a bit older that I realized you know that actually a lot of the things that people uh treated me differently for were, were actually strengths in disguise Mm -hmm. and and things that to other people and to other organizations would be a real asset when you're in school you don't think about that because you you absolutely think that that's your world you think nothing's going to change uh and 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 that's quite daunting thing for young people Mm -hmm. because you you feel stuck really and you Mm -hmm. feel like you're never going to be accepted so it did it did have a real impact on my my self-esteem my confidence and uh you know I, i can remember going home in tears quite often and and being quite miserable, actually, mm. for, for a lot of my teens. And for some people, I guess, that can 
like you talked about, that can really affect their mental health, that can cause them to feel quite isolated. You have this different path out of it. What do you think it was in you or maybe your upbringing or is it something in kind of mm. right inside you? What do you think was the difference that made you go, no, I'm going to do something about this that doesn't just make my life better but makes my school better and then ultimately mm. travels the world? What, what's the thing in you that, that does that? Do you think that's just always been part of who you are that when you see something that's wrong... Mm you're just going to fix it. Is that, is that part of the I don't know character? if it was always. I think maybe things like, you know, I do, I, do, I remember even outside of school with, um, you know, when I was growing up with, with my dad and walking down the street and, uh, you know, he, he's black from Jamaica, people shouting sort of racist abuse. And I think wow. it was, um, which is, you know, really weird. I, I, I would like to say, I hope that wouldn't, wouldn't happen now. But, um, I think those sort of things really shape you and, and make, maybe, you know, at the time I didn't, feel like I could do anything but mm. but I definitely got a real understanding of, of, of that and and um, you know that that made me really passionate and and ultimately I suppose helped me perse- you know persevere in, in school and and I think now this has become a real purpose for me because mm. I can see it as a store work to be done and I can also see the success like mm. when, when schools do things right and when they enable their students to feel safe and happy then there are there is a real change in outcomes, and I think mm. that's the exciting thing for me when you, when you, when we shine a light on on the schools that are doing it right, because then they have the potential for you know all of the thirteen million children that we send to school every day to to have a much safer, happier, and, and successful time at school. I guess it's an interesting uh, charity, an interesting job because you see both the best and worst all at once, don't you? So you must see immense cruelty when you're dealing with some of the stuff you're dealing with in schools. And then you also see these kids, same age, sometimes same situation, just doing the most incredible kindness. What, how does one affect the other or does one ever take over? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's a really good question which I think about a lot. And I think you, I always have to remember that this is actually behavior. So, you know, although you can see signs of cruelty, actually, um, you know, no one's born a bully mm. and, you know, we learn that behaviour. And I often think, actually, if a setting, if it's a school or a workplace, if it allows bullying to happen, then it's going to happen. So, mm. you know, I, I often think that, actually, at the moment, that's what that child's uh, displaying, but they have the potential, mm. which was always a little bit um, risky, but to be an anti-bullying ambassador. And, you know, when I worked in schools, I would often... Do you know? Do that. Identify people that maybe made mistakes in the past. I mean, because mm. you know we're all still making mistakes mm. as adults. And I would um, you know put them through the training to be an anti ambassador. For some teachers, that was really, really difficult to understand because mm. you know they didn't think they deserved to be on that. But you know, I think sometimes you can to be bullied and to be a victim is a really difficult label. But actually, to have a label of a of a bully is even more damaging. So yeah. actually, you know, what you want to try and do is enable people to come out of that so you know some of the some of the young people that in the schools I worked at engaged in in bullying became some of the most kindest students because they had a real role and responsibility and and they had an excuse and opportunity to change if you don't if you don't give that to to those individuals that are stuck in that sort of behavior then then you know you're you're really damning them to continue their ways really that, that's really transformative. Is that common to kind of see bullies become then anti-bullying ambassadors and yeah. that shift? I think I think we also know a little bit that a lot of people a lot of people that are engaging in bullying behaviour have been receiving in themselves. So you know it's that kind of vicious mm. 
uh, circle in that sense. But um, it is absolutely possible to bring those individuals on, on, on a journey and for them to be some of the most supportive and kindest peers mm. in, in the school. It's quite a difficult thing to, you know, conversation to have with teachers and also when some parents hear about it, you know, they're not happy. And that, victims, yeah, I yeah, guess, as well. Right, if I've been right. a victim of someone bullying yeah. me and then I get told they're going to be the anti-bullying mm. ambassador, that's sort of, yeah. you know, poacher turned yeah. gamekeeper, right? It's but, like, it's yeah. sort of weird. But yeah. at the same time, I, you know, even though I was bullied at school, I'm absolutely crystal clear that a, a team of bullied individuals isn't going to be as effective as a team of the whole school represented, yeah. including bystanders and those that have been engaged in bullying. So I think it is important to think of that way because otherwise you are literally just creating a support group that yeah. can support each other but actually can't change the rest of the school. So um, you know, it's difficult, but it can be done. And I guess if you get it into schools, then actually that can have a knock-on yeah. impact into workplaces. The hope would be mm. that those yeah. those kids in schools then take that ethos right. and culture into their universities yeah. and into their workplaces. So it's a, an interesting kind of mustard seed approach, which is you kind of just infiltrate that earliest stage yes. and, and go that way, which is fascinating. And yeah. um, your question was, uh, why can we be so cruel? Um, is the world getting crueler or kinder? I do think it is getting kinder. I think things like social media, because you know we consume it so much, can make it seem like the world's getting crueler and you know it, it's much easier to shine a light on you know, the world mm. and what's going on across the world because of social media but you know I do think ultimately if you think about the issue of bullying um, whereas there used to be a lot of attitudes around how it was character building it was a normal part of mm. growing up I think you know that that's changed and I think that's a good sign if you think if you look at things around the mental health conversation mm. people are far more likely to to stop now and say look no actually it's not uh, again and not you know you know it's not ex- acceptable that people suffer on their own mm. and we need to do stuff about that you know i'm sure we'll probably talk about social media later I, I don't think necessarily social media has increased cruel acts um it's just transferred them so the world's getting kinder yeah i think so i have confidence Good. to say that yeah that, that's probably a big yeah. smile on my face yeah. i'm happy with that let's just yeah. leave it there i can be happy for the rest of the day the world's getting kinder yeah. Okay, let's move on to your second question, Alex. What is it? Why are the trains always delayed? I do feel this one. <laughs> I, did, I actually wasn't late this morning. I managed mm. to make it. But yeah. uh, you were horrendously late. I mean, I don't want <laughs> to make a big deal of it. But um, yes, they are horrible. I think I would take fixing trains possibly over world peace. I don't want to really? overstate my case. Yeah. But I think if I had to choose... Mm. I think world peace can work itself out, but the trains need some divine intervention because mm, mm. it's horrendous. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And, and, and it just, it also seems like the, you know, the, the, the worst time where you actually have to be somewhere. Or for me, it's like getting home. Like sometimes they cancel the, the last mm-hmm. trains and um, you know, I live a little bit far out. So it, it can be really disruptive. Mm. And then you, that's, not, that's not even thinking about the weather, you know, what snow does and oh, all that sort of stuff. Do you want to hear some of the best? I got some great oh, train yeah, delay excuses. Yeah. Now, some of these are some of these are mine. Some of these are found <laughs> okay. in other places. Some uh, of them are yours. So, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I've had some of the worst. Um, so announcing the cancellation of the 816 to Bedford due to slippery rain. Slippery, slippery rain was a new one. Oh. You ever had that one? No, never had that one. Uh, I like this one. We'd like to apologise for the delay to customers on Platform 1. This is due to a delay in the actual service. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's like some sort of matrix yeah, thing right in a parallel universe yeah. the train is on time but this actual service yeah sorry uh this was from newcastle to london this is absolutely true conductor came over the thing apologize overcrowding was caused by too many passengers helpful right just <laughs> yeah, what you wanted yeah. to know when you're kind yeah. of up next to three yeah. sweaty people on mm. a four-hour train journey and um, my favorite are animals uh swans alpacas squirrels <laughs> and even a wallaby a wallaby. There was okay. a wallaby loose on a track. What, in here? In the UK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, well, that wasn't some wild Australian, <laughs> yeah, like, cross I was expecting to say. That yeah. wasn't, like, Michael Portillo. Yeah. That was, like, a yeah. proper kind yeah. of, like, yeah, that was a full-on okay. English yeah. wallaby escape from a place yeah. and got on the tracks. How, how easy do you find it to complain about something? Because yeah. like, you must be under a different microscope, right? You mm. can't... Because of the way you've changed behaviour and you change culture and ethos... Are you able to complain? Are you able to go on Twitter and write a really moany tweet to your train company? No, I don't do that. But I also don't like when other people do Because I, I have seen actually a number of other CEOs of other non-profits and charities. Mm. And um, I, I'm also probably not a big complainer. Okay. You know, because you, if, if, you, if you think of like in workplaces, you, you have lots of people, you know, always, always complaining or moaning. And I'd much rather just fix I, I, I've never felt the urge to get on Twitter and, and make a big fuss. Although, actually, I, I did once, and I regret it. I was much younger. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's just a funny story. So we did a documentary on, on, on TV with Jodie Marsh. Yeah. And um, we, we decided to try and get Jonathan Ross to... Um, to feature it on his show. Yeah. So there was a big, like, sort of Twitter campaign. And... Um, I tweeted him and he blocked me and so no. Jonathan Ross has still blocked me and uh come on Jonathan <laughs> come on this is your chance he is he does listen he does listen oh, to the he podcast does. Okay, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah big yeah. massive fan yeah. Jonathan come on we need you to unblock <laughs> yeah. ABC Homes yeah, please yeah, yeah so then I did I did you know I did kind of do an upset tweet but I'm over that now okay yeah do you find that you um do you have to think about the way you behave or is it an is it a natural thing I guess because because you are you know with everything you do, mm. with the stuff you do on uh, Bill and the Gates, we're going to talk a bit about social media and all of that stuff. You're still a person. Mm. So do you, do you ever find yourself going, oh, I'd love to just do that, but I, I, you know you can't. Do you hold yourself to a higher standard? Yeah, I think I, I, think I am I'm, I'm more careful because um, you know, a, lot of the, a lot of kids do, do follow me mm. on, on kind of a public social media and um, you know, I want to be a positive role model. Um, but I don't think that there's I don't think there's a part of me like screaming to <laughs> to be something. Or you don't have dis- a rage room that you just no, go into. Okay, yeah, fine, yeah. Fine. No, okay. I don't think so. No, and, and um, more than probably some other Twitter users, I think twice before yeah. I, I post something. Yeah, maybe. And on, have you ever been in one of those train delays? My favourite. So mm. you know when it's really, really delayed, and by the end of it, you all feel like you've gone through a bunker together. Yeah. Like you know, you're just like swapping numbers yeah. to set a reunion up. Yeah. Like yeah, have yeah. you ever had one yeah. of those like really long? Yes. Yeah. It's probably probably particularly in the summer, um, yeah. like in the hot, in the you know ridiculously hot evenings. I love those. Yeah. Like everyone shares their water mm. and everyone's chatting, and you know with it. And like yeah. by the end, of, if anything restores my faith in humanity, it's a long enough train delay that by the end of it, we're all mates. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, feels yeah, like yeah, a yeah. kind of a real. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever want to just... That's a good tip, mm. actually. If you ever want to just restore your faith in humankind, just take any train going on my route and you, by the end <laughs> yeah. of the four-hour yeah, epic yeah. journey, you'll be... Uh, yeah. well, it reminds me of those scenes where everyone's singing on the train. <laughs> yes! Like, those are great, really. Yeah. 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 yeah, but we didn't... You know, we don't have those kind of... We don't have those kind of socially conscious... I guess we don't have those kind of social cohesion moments mm. like previous generations yeah. had. So for us, we just have the... 
648 to Norwich. Yes. It's not yeah. quite as epic. I can't no. see films being made about it, but you know, it does this. <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, who knows? It does the same job. Yeah. Alex, it's time for your last question to God. What is it? My last question to God is if you were going to be on social media, which one would you go on? Um, you mentioned before you work with a lot of mm. these companies. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so um, ever since, actually, when, when, when I was 20 or 21, there was a real problem with um, cyberbullying on, on Facebook in the town that I grew up, Milton Keynes. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, I found this quite scary because actually what it was, it was almost like a page would be created about someone and then within an hour, there'd be a thousand likes mm. and people were accusing each other of all sorts of, of mm. things, you know, some like sort of crimes. And uh, I actually felt, you know, this was, a, this was a real problem and uh, I decided to write to Facebook, which is, you know, st- sounds stupid, really, but, but I, got, I got a response. Wow. And uh, I ended up in a room with the vice president of... Uh, policy um, for for Europe and then uh, one of the UK safety team and ever since we you know we worked together we stayed in touch I was like I don't know 21 22 and I wasn't I was still like working in schools but we did stay in touch and we we did work together and then it was a long long process but you know where we would bring young people in to tell them actually about things that they should be doing better Mm. And um, we would do events, and they'd sponsor some training and so on. And then in the last year, they've they've really made a big sort of one million pound commitment mm. to help uh, reach more schools. Uh, and that's very much been my kind of relationship with, with social media companies. I've found that they are willing to listen. And now, you know, I'm, I'm on t- Twitter's Global Trust and Safety Council, and uh, Instagram, and an app called Ubo, and uh, work really close with games companies so uh, I found that they do listen but they're under an enormous lot of pressure mm. you know it's, it's interesting times in terms of like tech and where it's going to go and is you know is it, are some of these big companies like Facebook going to be split up and regulated it's an interesting time one of the narratives that's out there is that that bullying has got worse because of social media is mm. that your experience so I don't think I don't think so and I think that's an easy thing to to pin the blame on actually and I think when you listen to young people and we did a round table actually with the Secretary of State for Department for Culture, Media and Sport which is the Internet Safety Strategy and then the Education Secretary and the kids told him there look you want us to use our phones less you know less screen time you you know you're saying that's harmful but what is the alternative where are the youth clubs you know and they talked about real examples oh. there what we absolutely know particularly with children and young people is that they're not being bullied um, by a stranger they're being bullied by a classmate online you know someone that they know a familiar relationship what may start as drama in the playground becomes digital drama online okay. so actually that's how important relationships are offline and the, and the relationship between that and what goes on the internet. So I think it's too easy. And all of our research suggests that the biggest bullying and harm that children are facing is actually in their schools, face-to-face, uh, and a much smaller percentage is online. People are going to react to that yeah. because that's not what people believe. Mm. And also it doesn't tie in with the narrative we're being fed. I sound a bit like a wild conspiracy theorist there, don't I? But, but actually the narrative that's out there is social media has made it worse. It's the Wild West. Kids are being bullied all the time on yeah. there. What you're saying is 
No, it's just an extension of a real problem that's happening. Yeah. Where it's always happened. Yeah. Is that is that where we're at? Yeah. No, I I, I you know absolutely, absolutely believe that, and 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 a lot of the the stats uh, confirm that, not just just from us, but from 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 other others as well. And like, I think we need to remember that the majority of young people lead very happy and safe lives mm. online and they you know they love social media mm. it, it allows them to have better relationships be more informed about the world ask difficult questions that they might mm. not ask face to face and i think we shouldn't you know forget that and mm. and i think um it's way too easy just to blame it on um social media and, and i think what we know is that for some of the big uh, established press um you know they have a, a a particular motive because it's affecting their revenue uh, and and their, you know that's competition for them and therefore you know certainly you know I'm you know gone on the record to say like they are therefore asking all the time for the negative stories um, you know they want the most horrible things that are going on wow. whereas my focus and my agenda is constantly being like well actually I don't have many of those but. I can give you so many things that are happening in our school every day. Yeah. And perhaps we could look at actually a place that we send 13 million children every day yeah. being a really, really unsafe place, probably more unsafe than the internet, but it's not something they want to do. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. In terms of the other side, in terms of like the, because you sit on Twitter's, yes. uh, one of Twitter's boards, uh, that, that's recently, I guess, come under a lot of mm. stuff because of, particularly for our MPs in this country, yeah. where they've come under real attack on Twitter yes. and stuff like that. There is, a, there is an anonymous side mm. of trolling oh, yeah. that happens. How, how does that impact your work? Yeah, and I think that, that anonymous side, I think particularly affects adult, adults more. Okay. Um, I mean, not, not completely, but, uh, and, I, and I absolutely agree, you know, that actually what some politicians are subjected to is, is you know, completely unacceptable. Mm. And part of me thinks that's, you know, how our laws have not really caught up with that. Like we, we have a law called the Malicious Communications Act, but, uh, you know, that was years ago about sort of malicious letters being posted yeah, through yeah, people's... Yeah, yeah. Cutting letters, yeah, things exactly. out of newspapers yeah, and sticking exactly. them... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it should also mean that actually if someone is using technology to harass someone uh, and it's threatening or abusive, then it should apply. Um, do you have any tips? Do you have any like, because I guess, I guess what people want to know is how, if social media isn't the problem, and I, I think that's a fascinating, fascinating point of view actually, and, and the evidence you have to kind of back that up, I think it's really interesting. What are the top tips then for using it? How can mm. people use it better or be safer on yeah. I, I I mean, it's maybe it's too simple, but... Um, I do think that you, you know, one, you're you're um, in control of your feed. So actually, um, you know, if you want positive stuff on your on your feed, then you know, follow positive people, remove toxic people. Um, you know, it's a really really basic thing. But but I think also we forget like how powerful that block tool really is or that mm. mute tool um, because it's. Probably, you know, again, like when we think about the, the issue of bullying for children, it, it's probably a very small percentage that, um, you know, are doing the, you know, the, the harassment or the, the abusive stuff. So if you are able to block them out, then you're silencing them. I think you should feel quite powerful that you are, it's almost like, you know, silently sticking two fingers up at them really and, 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 and getting, getting them out of your, of your life. So I think that is an important tool, but um, probably... You know, and another thing is like, I think battles or, of, you know, 
there's a lot there's a lot of sort of keyboard warriors online and actually probably what we know is that if if you if you find yourself in the middle of something taking a break putting your phone down walking away thinking about it having a conversation face to face with someone about you know this has happened mm. It's probably wise to do because otherwise you can just find yourself so easily. You know, a bit like how you can get lost on YouTube yeah. by suggested content videos. Yeah. You can just find yourself answering, you know, and that actually not achieving much. So, uh, you know, I, I do think there's there's something powerful about the, the mute, the block tool, but also about taking a break and thinking, you know, actually if this was face to face, if someone was, you know, harassing me in the street, what would I do? You know, would, would I decide to, to engage about? You yeah. know, would I walk away? Or, yeah. yeah. So it's so sort of applying those sort of lessons that what mm. we know works offline uh, applying that online great feed a cold starve a troll <laughs> yeah that's good I great for that. all yeah. the health right yeah, yeah, it's almost time to send you back yeah um, but before I do that what do you think God would ask you I don't, I don't know what would God, God ask me do you know what he might say because because I, this is, is a random thing he might say um are you pleased I gave you blue eyes? Because, because actually, uh, I do get stopped quite a lot by people in the street. Really? Who, yeah, who are just, who just are fascinated with how did you get blue eyes? How is this possible? Yeah. I think because, you know, because of slightly mixed race and they just don't quite understand that. And you know where it always happens, which I try and avoid as a, as a place anyway, but the, the big Westfield shopping centre book, People will stop me all the time in there really? just for, for their eyes and be like, are those contacts? And they don't understand. So, you know, maybe maybe he would have been like, well... And, and it's also the unusual because my brothers have brown eyes. So my two younger oh, wow. brothers. Uh, and I've got blue eyes. So, you know, he, he, might, he might have and are you that. And are you pleased Westfield decided? I am actually, you know, I am actually pleased. Because it's one of those, again, it's one of those things that kind of makes me stand out and yeah. that actually uh, makes me different. And like a really, really powerful message now in, in, in schools is like how actually, you know, trust me, like, you know, one day those things that made you different are, you know, actually going to be complete strengths in disguise. And, and I think you don't realise that at school, but um, the more and more I get older, the more I'm practising that, and the more I'm understanding that. Mm. One of the many brilliant and unique things about you, I think, Alex. Listen, thank you so much um, for being on the podcast. That's it for this episode. And the good news is you managed to get out of the snooker table. (laughs) And you even managed to get done the day trip to the Olive Grove. So that's a result, right? Winning all rounds. Great holiday for everyone. Uh, But thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I will be back next time to kill off another guest and find out what they want to know on God Only Knows. Mm